Section three of In Tune with the Infinite by Ralph Waldo Trine. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Supreme Fact of Human Life From the great central fact of the universe in regard to which we have agreed, namely, the spirit of the infinite life that is behind all, and from which all comes, we are led to inquire as to what is the great central fact in human life from what has gone before the question almost answers itself the great central fact in human life in your life and in mine is the coming into a conscious vital realization of our oneness with this infinite life and the opening of ourselves fully to this divine inflow this is the great central fact in human life for in this all else is included all else follows in its train in just the degree that we come into a conscious realization of our oneness with the infinite life and open ourselves into this divine inflow do we actualize in ourselves the qualities and powers of the infinite life and what does this mean it means simply this that we are recognizing our true identity that we are bringing our lives into harmony with the same great laws and forces and so opening ourselves to the same great inspirations as have all the prophets seers sages and saviors in the world's history all men of truly great and mighty power for in the degree that we come into this realization and connect ourselves with this infinite source do we make it possible for the higher powers to play to work to manifest through us we can keep closed this divine inflow to these higher forces and powers through ignorance as most of us do and thus hinder or prevent their manifesting through us or we can intentionally close ourselves to their operations and thus deprive ourselves of the powers to which by the very nature of our being we are rightful heirs on the other hand we can come into so vital a realization of the oneness of our real selves with this infinite life and can open ourselves so fully to the incoming of this divine inflow and so to the operation of these higher forces inspirations and powers that we can indeed and in truth become what we may well term god-men and what is a god-man one in whom the powers of god are manifesting though yet a man no one can set limitations to a man or a woman of this type for the only limitations he or she can have are those set by the self ignorance is the most potent factor in setting limitations to the majority of mankind and so the great majority of people continue to live their little dwarfed and stunted lives simply by virtue of the fact that they do not realize the larger life to which they are heirs they have never as yet come into a knowledge of the real identity of their true selves mankind has not yet realized that the real self is one with the life of god through its ignorance it has never yet opened itself to the divine inflow and so has never made itself a channel through which the infinite powers and forces can manifest when we know ourselves merely as men we live accordingly and have merely the powers of men when we come into the realization of the fact that we are god men then again we live accordingly and have the powers of god-men in the degree that we open ourselves to this divine inflow are we changed from mere men into god-men a friend has a beautiful lotus pond a natural basin on his estate his farm as he always calls it is supplied with water from a reservoir in the foothills some distance away 
a gate regulates the flow of the water from the main that conducts it from the reservoir to the pond it is a spot of transcendent beauty there through the days of the perfect summer weather the lotus flowers lie full bloom upon the surface of the clear transparent water the june roses and other wild flowers are continually blooming upon its banks the birds come here to drink and to bathe and from early until late one can hear the melody of their song the bees are continually at work in this garden of wild flowers a beautiful grove in which many kinds of wild berries and many varieties of brakes and ferns grow stretches back of the pond as far as the eye can reach our friend is a man nay more a god-man a lover of his kind and as a consequence no notice bearing such words as private grounds no trespassing allowed or trespassers will be prosecuted stands on his estate but at the end of a beautiful byway that leads through the wild wood up to this enchanting spot stands a notice bearing the words all are welcome to the lotus pond all love our friend why they can't help it he so loves them and what is his is theirs here one may often find merry groups of children at play here many times tired and weary-looking men and women come and somehow when they go their faces wear a different expression the burden seems to be lifted and now and then i've heard them when leaving sometimes in a faint murmur as if uttering a benediction say god bless our brother friend many speak of this spot as the garden of god my friend calls it his soul garden and he spends many hours in quiet here often have i seen him after the others have gone walking to and fro or sitting quietly in the clear moonlight on an old rustic bench drinking in the perfume of the wild flowers he is a man of a beautifully simple nature he says that here the real things of life come to him and that here his greatest and most successful plans many times as a flash of inspiration suggest themselves to him everything in the immediate vicinity seems to breathe the spirit of kindliness comfort goodwill and good cheer the very cattle and sheep as they come to the old stone fence at the edge of the grove and look across to this beautiful spot seem indeed to get the same enjoyment that the people are getting they seem almost to smile in the realization of their contentment and enjoyment or perhaps it seems so to the onlooker because he can scarcely help smiling as he sees the manifested evidence of their contentment and pleasure the gate of the pond is always opened wide enough to admit a supply of water so abundant that it continually overflows a quantity sufficient to feed a stream that runs through the fields below giving the pure mountain water and drink to the cattle and flocks that are grazing there the stream then flows on through the neighbors fields not long ago our friend was absent for a year he rented his estate during his absence to a man who as the world goes was of a very practical turn of mind he had no time for anything that did not bring him direct practical returns the gate connecting to the reservoir with the lotus pond was shut down and no longer had the crystal mountain water the opportunity to feed and overflow it the notice of our friend all are welcome to the lotus pond was removed and no longer were the gay companies of children men and women seen at the pond a great change came over everything on account of the lack of the life-giving water the flowers in the pond wilted and their long stems lay stretched upon the mud in the bottom 
the fish that formerly swam in its clear water soon died and gave an offensive odor to all who came near the flowers no longer bloomed on its banks the birds no longer came to drink and to bathe no longer was heard the hum of bees and more the stream that ran through the fields below dried up so that the cattle and the flocks no longer got their supply of clear mountain water the difference between the spot now and the lotus pond when our friend gave it his careful attention was caused as we readily see by shutting off the gate to the pond thus preventing the water from the reservoir in the hills which was the source of its life from entering it and when this the source of its life was shut off not only was the appearance of the lotus pond entirely changed but the surrounding fields were deprived of the stream to whose banks the flocks and cattle came for drink in this do we not see a complete parallel so far as human life is concerned in the degree that we recognize our oneness our connection with the infinite spirit which is the life of all and in the degree that we open ourselves to this divine inflow do we come into harmony with the highest the most powerful and the most beautiful everywhere and in the degree that we do this do we overflow so that all who come in contact with us receive the effects of this realization on our part this is the lotus pond of our friend he who is in love with all that is truest and best in the universe and in the degree that we fail to recognize our oneness with this infinite source and so close shut ourselves to this divine inflow do we come into that state where there seems to be with us nothing of good nothing of beauty nothing of power and when this is true those who come in contact with us receive not good but harm this is the spot of the lotus pond while the farm was in the hands of a renter there is this difference between the lotus pond and your life and mine it has no power in itself of opening the gate to the inflow of the water from the reservoir which is its source in regard to this it is helpless and dependent upon an outside agency you and i have the power the power within us to open or to close ourselves to this divine inflow exactly as we choose this we have through the power of mind through the operation of thought there is the soul life direct from god this it is that relates us to the infinite there is then the physical life this it is that relates us to the material universe about us the thought life connects the one with the other it is this that plays between the two before we proceed farther let us consider very briefly the nature of thought thought is not as many times supposed a mere infinite abstraction or something of a like nature it is on the contrary a vital living force the most vital subtle and irresistible force there is in the universe in our very laboratory experiments we are demonstrating the great fact that thoughts are forces they have form and quality and substance and power and we are beginning to find that there is what we may term a science of thought we are beginning also to find that through the instrumentality of our thought forces we have creative power not merely in a figurative sense but creative power in reality everything in the material universe about us everything the universe has ever known had its origin first in thought from this it took its form every castle every statue every painting every piece of mechanism 
everything had its birth its origin first in the mind of the one who formed it before it received its material expression or embodiment the very universe in which we live is the result of the thought energies of god the infinite spirit that is back of all and if it is true as we have found that we in our true selves are in essence the same and in this sense are one with the life of this infinite spirit do we not then see that in the degree that we come into vital realization of this stupendous fact we through the operation of our interior spiritual thought forces have in like sense creative power everything exists in the unseen before it is manifested or realized in the seen and in this sense it is true that the unseen things are the real while the things that are seen are the unreal the unseen things are cause the seen things are effect the unseen things are eternal the seen things are the changing the transient the power of the word is a literal scientific fact through the operation of our thought forces we have creative power the spoken word is nothing more or less than the outward expression of the workings of these interior forces the spoken word is then in a sense the means whereby the thought forces are focused and directed along any particular line and this concentration this giving them direction is necessary before any outward or material manifestation of their power can become evident much is said in regard to building castles in the air and one who is given to this building is not always looked upon with favor but castles in the air are always necessary before we can have castles on the ground before we can have castles in which to live the trouble with the one who gives himself to building castles in the air is not that he builds them in the air but that he does not go farther and actualize in life in character in material form the castles he thus builds he does a part of the work a very necessary part but another equally necessary part remains still undone there is a connection with the thought forces that we may term the drawing power of the mind and the great law operating here is one with that great law of the universe that like attracts like we are continually attracting to us from both the seen and the unseen side of life forces and conditions most akin to those of our own thoughts this law is continually operating whether we are conscious of it or not we are all living so to speak in a vast ocean of thought and the very atmosphere around us is continually filled with the thought forces that are being continually sent or that are continually going out in the form of thought waves we are all affected more or less by these thought forces either consciously or unconsciously and in the degree that we are more or less sensitively organized or in the degree that we are negative and so are open to outside influences rather than positive thus determining what influences shall enter into our realm of thought and hence into our lives there are those among us who are much more sensitively organized than others as an organism their bodies are more finely more sensitively constructed these generally speaking are people who are always more or less affected by the mentalities of those with whom they come in contact or in whose company they are a friend the editor of one of our great journals is so sensitively organized that it is impossible for him to attend a gathering such as a reception talk and shake hands with a number of people during the course of the evening 
without taking on to a greater or less extent their various mental and physical conditions these affect him to such an extent that he is scarcely himself and in his best condition for work until some two or three days afterward some think it unfortunate for one to be so sensitively organized by no means it is a good thing for one may thus be more open and receptive to the higher impulses of the soul within and to all higher forces and influences from without it may however be unfortunate and extremely inconvenient to be so organized unless one recognize and gain the power of closing himself of making himself positive to all detrimental or undesirable influences this power every one however sensitively organized he may be can acquire this he can acquire through the mind's action and moreover there is no habit of more value to anyone be he sensitively or less sensitively organized than that of occasionally taking and holding himself continually in the attitude of mind i close myself i make myself positive to all things below and open and receptive to all higher influences to all things above by taking this attitude of mind consciously now and then it soon becomes a habit and if one is deeply earnest in regard to it it puts into operation silent but subtle and powerful influences in effecting the desired results in this way all lower and undesirable influences from both the seen and the unseen side of life are closed out while all higher influences are invited and in the degree that they are invited will they enter and what do we mean by the unseen side of life first the thought forces the mental and emotional conditions in the atmosphere about us that are generated by those manifesting on the physical plane through the agency of physical bodies second the same forces generated by those who have dropped the physical body or from whom it has been struck away and who are now manifesting through the agency of bodies of a different nature the individual existence of man begins on the sense plane of the physical world but rises through successive gradations of ethereal and celestial spheres corresponding with his ever unfolding deific life and powers to a destiny of unspeakable grandeur and glory within and above every physical planet is a corresponding ethereal planet or soul world as within and above every physical organism is a corresponding ethereal organism or soul body of which the physical is but the external counterpart and materialized expression from this etherealized or soul planet which is the immediate home of our arisen humanity there rises or deepens in infinite gradations spheres within and above spheres to celestial heights of spiritualized existence utterly inconceivable to the sense man embodiment accordingly is twofold the physical being but the temporary husk so to speak in and by which the real and permanent ethereal organism is individualized and perfected somewhat as the full corn in the ear is reached by means of its husk for which there is no further use by means of this indestructible ethereal body and the corresponding ethereal spheres of environment with the social life and relations in the spheres the individuality and personal life is preserved forever the fact of life in whatever form means the continuance of life even though the form be changed life is the one eternal principle of the universe and so always continues 
even though the form of the agency through which it manifests be changed in my father's house are many mansions and surely because the individual has dropped has gone out of the physical body there is no evidence at all that the life does not go right on the same as before not commencing for there is no cessation but commencing in the other form exactly where it has left off here for all life is a continuous evolution step by step there one neither skips nor jumps there are in the other form then mentalities and hence lives of all grades and influences the same as there are in the physical form if then the great law that like attracts like is ever operating we are continually attracting to us from this side of life influences and conditions most akin to those of our own thoughts and lives a gruesome thought that we should be so influenced says one by no means all life is one we are all bound together in the one common and universal life and especially not when we take into consideration the fact that we have it entirely in our own hands to determine the order of thought we entertain and consequently the order of influences we attract and are not mere willowy creatures of circumstance unless indeed we choose to be in our mental lives we can either keep hold of the rudder and so determine exactly what course we take what points we touch or we can fail to do this and failing we drift and are blown hither and thither by every passing breeze and so on the contrary welcome should be the thought for thus we may draw to us the influence and the aid of the greatest the noblest and the best who have lived on the earth whatever the time wherever the place we cannot rationally believe other than that those who have labored in love and with uplifting power here are still laboring in the same way and in all probability with more earnest zeal and with still greater power and elisha prayed and said lord i pray thee open his eyes that he may see and the lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around about elisha while riding with a friend a few days ago we were speaking of the great interest people are everywhere in taking in the more vital things of life the eagerness with which they are reaching out for a knowledge of the interior forces their ever-increasing desire to know themselves and to know their true relations with the infinite and in speaking of the great spiritual awakening that is so rapidly coming all over the world the beginnings of which are so clearly seen during the closing years of this and whose ever-increasing proportions we are to witness during the early years of the coming century i said how beautiful if emerson the illumined one so far in advance of his time who labored so faithfully and so fearlessly to bring about these very conditions how beautiful if he were with us to-day to witness it all how he would rejoice how do we know was the reply that he is not witnessing it all and more that he is not having a hand in it all a hand even greater perhaps than when we saw him here thank you my friend for this reminder and truly are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who shall be heirs of salvation as science is so abundantly demonstrating today the things that we see are but a very small fraction of the things that are the real vital forces at work in our own lives 
and in the world about us are not seen by the ordinary physical eye yet they are the causes of which all things we see are merely the effects thoughts are forces like builds like and like attracts like for one to govern his thinking then is to determine his life says one of deep insight into the nature of things the law of correspondences between spiritual and material things is wonderfully exact in its workings people ruled by the mood of gloom attract to them gloomy things people always discouraged and despondent do not succeed in anything and live only by burdening someone else the hopeful confident and cheerful attract the elements of success a man's front or backyard will advertise that man's ruling mood in a way it is kept a woman at home shows her state of mind in her dress a slattern advertises the ruling mood of hopelessness carelessness and lack of system rags tatters and dirt are always in the mind before being on the body the thought that is most put out brings its corresponding visible element to crystallize about you as surely and literally as the visible bit of copper in solution attracts to it the invisible copper in that solution a mind always hopeful confident courageous and determined on its set purpose and keeping itself to that purpose attracts to itself out of the elements things and powers favorable to that purpose every thought of yours has a literal value to you in every possible way the strength of your body the strength of your mind your success in business and the pleasure your company brings others depends on the nature of your thoughts in whatever mood you set your mind does your spirit receive of unseen substance in correspondence with that mood it is as much a chemical law as spiritual law chemistry is not confined to the elements we see the elements we do not see with the physical eye outnumber ten thousand times to those we do see the christ injunction do good to those who hate you is based on a scientific fact and a natural law so to do good is to bring to yourself all the elements in nature of power and good to do evil is to bring the contrary destructive elements when our eyes are opened self-preservation will make us stop all evil thought those who live by hate will die by hate that is those who live by the sword will die by the sword every evil thought is as a sword drawn on the person to whom it is directed if a sword is drawn in return so much the worse for both and says another who knows full well whereof he speaks the law of attraction works universally on every plane of action and we attract whatever we desire or expect if we desire one thing and expect another we become like houses divided against themselves which are quickly brought to desolation determine resolutely to expect only what you desire then you will attract only what you wish for carry any kind of thought you please about with you and so long as you retain it no matter how you roam over land or sea you will unceasingly attract to yourself knowingly or inadvertently exactly and only what corresponds to your own dominant quality of thought thoughts are our private property and we can regulate them to suit our taste entirely by steadily recognizing our ability so to do we have just spoken of the drawing power of the mind faith is nothing more or less than the operation of the thought forces in the form of an earnest desire coupled with expectation as to its fulfillment and in the degree of that faith 
the earnest desire thus sent out is continually held to and watered by firm expectation in just that degree does it either draw to itself or does it change from the unseen into the visible from the spiritual into the material that for which it is sent let the element of doubt or fear enter in and what would otherwise be a tremendous force will be so neutralized that it will fail of its own realization continually held to and continually watered by firm expectation it becomes a force a drawing power that is irresistible and absolute and the results will be absolute in direct proportion as to its absolute we shall find as we are so rapidly beginning to find today that the great things said in regard to faith the great promises made in connection with it are not mere vague sentimentalities but are all great scientific facts and rest upon great immutable laws even in our very laboratory experiments we are beginning to discover the laws underlying and governing these forces we are now beginning some at least to use them understandingly and not blindly as has so often and so long been the case much is said today in regard to the will it is many times spoken of as if it were a force in itself but will is a force a power only in so far as it is a particular form of the manifestation of the thought forces for it is by what we call the will that thought is focused and given a particular direction and in the degree that thought is thus focused and given direction it is effective in the work it is sent out to accomplish in a sense there are two kinds of will the human and the divine the human will is the will of what for convenience sake we may term the lower self it is the will that finds its life merely in the realm of the mental and the physical the sense will it is the will of one who is not yet awake to the fact that there is a life that far transcends the life of merely the intellect and the physical senses and which when realized and lived does not do away with or minify these but which on the contrary brings them to their highest perfection and to their powers of keenest enjoyment the divine will is the will of the higher self the will of the one who recognizes his oneness with the divine and who consequently brings his will to work in harmony in conjunction with the divine will the lord thy god in the midst of thee is mighty the human will has its limitations so far and no farther says the law the divine will has no limitations it is supreme all things are open and subject to you says the law and so in the degree that the human will is transmuted into the divine in the degree that it comes into harmony with and so acts in conjunction with the divine does it become supreme then it is that thou shalt decree a thing and it shall be established unto thee the great secret of life and of power then is to make and to keep one's conscious connection with this infinite source the power of everyday life the very life itself is determined by what it relates itself to god is immanent as well as transcendent he is creating working ruling in the universe today in your life and in mine just as much as he ever has been we are too apt to regard him after the manner of an absentee landlord one who has set into operation the forces of this great universe and then taken himself away in the degree however that we recognize him as immanent as well as transcendent are we able to partake of his life and power 
for in the degree that we recognize him as the infinite spirit of life and power that is today at this very moment working and manifesting in and through all and then in the degree that we come into the realization of our oneness with this life do we become partakers of and so do we actualize in ourselves the quality of his life in the degree that we open ourselves to the inflowing tide of this eminent and transcendent life do we make ourselves channels through which the infinite intelligence and power can work it is through the instrumentality of the mind that we are enabled to connect the real soul life with the physical life and so enable the soul life to manifest and work through the physical the thought life needs continually to be illumined from within this illumination can come in just the degree that through the agency of the mind we recognize our oneness with the divine of which each soul is an individual form of expression this gives us the inner guiding which we call intuition intuition is to the spiritual nature and understanding practically what sense perception is to the sensuous nature and understanding it is an inner spiritual sense through which man is open to the direct revelation and knowledge of god the secrets of nature and life and through which he is brought into conscious unity and fellowship with god and made to realize his own deific nature and supremacy of being as the son of god spiritual supremacy and illumination thus realized through the development and perfection of intuition under divine inspiration gives the perfect inner vision and direct insight into the character properties and purpose of all things to which the attention and interest are directed it is we repeat a spiritual sense opening inwardly as the physical senses open outwardly and because it has the capacity to perceive grasp and know the truth at first hand independent of all external sources of information we call it intuition all inspired teaching and spiritual revelations are based upon the recognition of this spiritual faculty of the soul and its power to receive and appropriate them conscious unity of man in spirit and purpose with the father born out of his supreme desire and trust opens his soul through this inner sense to immediate inspiration and enlightenment from the divine omniscience and the cooperative energy of the divine omnipotence under which he becomes a seer and a master on this higher plane of realized spiritual life in the flesh the mind holds the impersonal attitude and acts with unfettered freedom and unbiased vision grasping the truth at first hand independent of all external sources of information approaching all beings and things from the divine side they are seen in the light of the divine omniscience god's purpose in them and so the truth concerning them as it rests in the mind of god are thus revealed by direct illumination from the divine mind to which the soul is opened inwardly through the spiritual sense we call intuition some call it the voice of the soul some call it the voice of god some call it the sixth sense it is our inner spiritual sense in the degree that we come into the recognition of our own true selves into the realization of the oneness of our life with the infinite life and in the degree that we open ourselves to this divine inflow does this voice of intuition this voice of the soul this voice of god speak clearly and in the degree that we recognize listen to and obey it does it speak ever more clearly until by and by there comes a time when it is unerring 
absolutely unerring in its guidance. End of section three.